Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 195. What is malware, anyway? Recorded May 31st, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach, and joining me this week are both your stalwart co-host, Chris, the command line godfather, Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello out there in TV land. And welcome to the middle of nowhere, everyone. Yes, for those of you watching the video, which is very few of you, uh, you will see that Seth's backdrop, backdrop has changed. There is not a picture of a hammer or not a hammer hanging on a nail anymore. Um, he is now in the stately Wayne Manor library. Yes, there are books galore, uh, old miscellaneous com- electronic components and other stuff that no one has seen in 20 years besides me. <laughs> So he got some bandwidth at his house, and we're actually doing the show from his house, and it sounds great, Seth. So you you save the drive, and uh, and that's cool. So if you hear a random old lady yelling in the background, that's just his mom. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And she's probably not hurt. Well, that's probably. Oh, uh, so I wanted to start out this week with the biggest news of the week: Kung Fury is here. If you haven't done it yet, go to YouTube.com. Stop this podcast. Do not continue. I cannot speak to you again until you've watched it. Um, (laughs) Kung Fury, as you'll know, may remember, was a a Kickstarter that I backed and tried to get everybody back. Uh, It's it's an 80s set piece uh, cop show. It's cheesy. It is terrible the plot doesn't make any sense the dialogue is bad the special effects are hokey in other words it is perfect <laughs> in more than one way i've i it is a little gr- gratuitously gross um and I, I i wasn't expecting that um you know people's heads exploding and stuff like that so it's probably not for your kids um but it is just absolutely ridiculous in the most sublime way uh so the 30 minute concury they're they may be working on the two-hour full feature film version. Um, there's been talk about that, but it's great. It, it looks like it was recorded, and, and you're watching it on an old uh, VHS tap, tape. Every now and then, there's little tracking lines that scroll up from the bottom. I love that. Um, Kung Fury goes yeah. back in time, meets Thor, fights uh, uh, Adolf Hitler, also known as Kung Fuhrer. Um, it's teamed up <laughs> with Fury. the buddy cop, Triceracops. Um, yep. it's it's perfect. You must watch it. Kung Fury has arrived. All right, I'll be back in thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and now you could actually watch it. I could. I'm not sure where else it is. I know it's on YouTube. Uh, so in in, in I think full Ustream, 1080p. Ustream has it, and you can download it on Steam. Okay, as well. So because I was a backer, they got me a couple of days before it was released. They sent me a link to uh, to download it. Um, well, maybe this, maybe a few hours, maybe not days. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, I downloaded the 1080p version because why not? Why not have a 1080p version of a VHS tape? Because um, yeah. it just fits right in with the ridiculousness of it. Um, I might as well, right? Right. Yeah. There, and some of the there, one of the spoiler alert uh one of the scenes this guy literally gets sliced in half from top to bottom tongue and the dialogue says i could tell right away he was dead 
And that just made me laugh out loud. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, you would know that. The what made me laugh was the tongue. Yes, when he got sliced and then. Yeah, you have to see it. Um, Thor was was this random old um, bodybuilder that was like in his seventies and might have been pretty impressive. Actually, for a seventy year old, is still pretty impressive. But it just kind of you know how old guys with muscles they get all out of balance and and weird looking. And he <laughs> he was speaking English but dubbed badly so that the english words didn't line up with the english movements of his mouth i don't understand why but again it's perfect for the movie um they're just great moments like that um so seth you have here it says the adventure begins what does that mean well i was just going to be talking about doing the show from the house there we go so yeah it's um it's a brave new world for me (laughs) Um, yeah, hopefully we won't notice any difference at all, except it saves you a half hour around the drive. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and Chris, um, Fedora 22, I, I've read some stuff about it. Tell us what you think. Uh, well, the quick and dirty of what I think so far is I am blown away with the quality of KDE five, the new KDE. I am very shocked. Um, there's still some. Some rough edges that I've noticed, you know, bad icons here or there, or icons not showing up that with running programs, but um, very impressed that it actually will run beautifully on my slower end of Dell laptops that I own. So I was really surprised when I fired that up and I was expecting to hear my fans all turn on and, and there was none of it. It just kind of took it in stride and I didn't even have to dumb down the graphics for it to work properly. It was really... A nice change of events. So I might be uh, when I do my review for twenty two. If it if we end up doing it for Fedora, uh, I might be not able to do it for all the other dis- the all the other desktops. I might be stuck in KDE land because KDE five is impressive. I uh, got a bit of email. I was just looking for it while you were talking. I, I didn't have it prepared because I didn't know you were going to talk about this. But this listener basically said, uh, and I think he sent it to all of us, so you might have seen it, was yep. my first look at KDE5 was RPM-U-KDE slash, eventually he removed it and installed the, the older version because he didn't like it. Well, but Yum doesn't exist anymore. That's taken a little bit to get used to. So what's the that, package that, manager? It's still it's still an RPM based package manager, but they got rid of Yum and replaced it with DMK or, or something. I don't know. I have to keep looking for it every time I. Of course, you could DMK dash I Yum, right? I'm sure no, because Yum's been depreciated. It's been it's been replaced. So if you type in Yum install something, it redirects you to the new package controller and. I'm still having a hard time getting my head remembering that it's not yum anymore. It's D something. See, and what, I don't even know why. What people should do, and I don't understand why, is write a really simple shell script that takes the, the most common young commands and pass them to the new package manager so that you can still type yum whatever, and it just loads mm-hmm. up the other thing and does what you were going to do. It does. It does. It, it, it seamlessly hands it off, but it gives you a big block of text that says, Yum has been depreciated, redirecting you to blah, 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 and then it says why, and then it fills in your whatever you told it to do. So it's like, 
Okay, I read a th- about seven words of that before it scrolled right. off. Thank I, th- you. See, I don't need that. Just do it. Do, I yeah. don't care what the package manager is as a user. There's, uh, some of you, I know, there's blasphemy I've just spoken. But personally, <laughs> I don't care what it is. I just care what I'm doing. That's why in um, uh, Mint, most of the time, I go to the, the GUI package manager. Yeah. Um, even though it's slower, I do it because I know I don't have to mess with all that other stuff. Yeah, in the new package, the package kit that they that they put in twenty two, um, I normally don't use it, but there's been a couple of times where I was like, well, let's go see how it works now, and it works pretty good. Uh, I think they've inc- incorporated a little bit of the um, what is that kernel loops where you can upgrade things in line without it being a reboot. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, yeah, and I found a new ad block software that I'm trying out. Because of Fedora 22. So, so, you know, we've talked about this before, and I don't want to go too far down it, but I kind I can't help feeling that ad blockers make us thieves in in some way or another. Um, that, that doesn't mean I I don't use them. I do in both at the firewall level and at the browser level. But it always makes me, you know, if it's a site I care about, I tend to unblock those because I just feel that. You're stealing your content. I don't know. I don't feel bad about skipping over a commercial on a DVR. So I don't know. It's a discussion well, but that will range forever. extra for the DVR. So yeah, that could be. Um, yeah. I I would be less apt to put a ad blocker on my on my browsers if the ads weren't horrible. That, that there is that. Yeah, I, I know people skip over our 19 minute Linux Academy ads. I mean, I, I, I know that they do, and it doesn't bother me. Because um, yeah, my, my thing about that when, when one of my favorite podcasts is doing something, when I hear a new ad, the first maybe two times, I listen to it all the way through. Then I skip it every other time, thinking, all right, I've got the message. I don't need to hear the message again. But then again, one of the value of of podcasting and television advertising is the repetition of the message. So I, don't, right. I feel very hypocritical about that. I'm torn about whether or not you should skip ads, and yet I have an ad-supported sort of uh, enterprise here. So it just bothers me, and, and I don't, I can't think, I can't speak intelligently about it because I'm so conflicted. Yeah, I know the feeling. I just wish there were better ways of doing sites without ads. You know, if well, you could be, if you could be green-lighted it's- saying, hey, I'm donating $5 a month, so I don't I don't get ads anymore on your site. Then I would be a little less ad block heavy. I guess that if that makes sense. Well, I, but, and then also you know you click on a news story to watch a thirty second news story that there's a two minute commercial that plays in yes, front of it. Yes, I'm like right. You know, I, I don't mind a little ad, um, but and also. You go to this story to watch this commercial, but then there's three other ads that play on the site with sound. And yep. so you can't hear the new story because you're hearing Jane telling you about how awesome Tide is. And then there's Bob <laughs> telling you why you should have a Toyota and then something about save the animals while you're watching a Ford commercial lead into the ad. So it's just this <laughs> cacophony of violence that rapes your eardrums every wow. time you click. Wow. On the link. That's some heavy so, loaders there. Seth doesn't feel strongly about this 
at all. Um, no. That leads me into my, my next thing I want to talk about. I'm very disappointed with the current state of mobile gaming, specifically Android mobile, because that's the, the thing I know. I've I've been looking for some new games, just some pa- time passers. Um, but every game I have tried is either a crippleware trial for free and the full version is, you know, $9. And that doesn't bother me, except that if the trial version is so crippled, I don't even know if the game, if I like the game, you, you haven't served any purpose. Um, or too short. And then there's the, the like, the, the, a game I just played today. Um, it was, it's just simply called Bruce Lee, and it's a, a combat game. And the, the gameplay is kind of interesting. It's, it's all variations of swipe here and swipe there, but it's timing-based, and the gameplay is interesting, but they've built in the, you know, the gold model and the gem model and all that, and you, you mm-hmm. can't get this, and you get to the point where you can't progress without paying money. Um, and that's just, if I like the game, give me an option to pay $5 for it and, and never have to deal with that sort of stuff again. Plus, the, you know, the there's banner ads everywhere. Every time you click on something, you got to watch a video. Now it's not banner ads anymore. Everybody's moved to videos that you can't skip out of. So, you know, it's ready. I click the play button, and before I can watch the thing, I have to, to watch a video. And then I play, and when I lose my lives or whatever, there's a thing here where watch a watch a commercial and get extra lives. Actually, that doesn't bother me. That's paying the price. But if I if I have that option, why do I have to look at all the other ads too? Uh, and I'm just very mm-hmm. disappointed in the fact that we're all walking around with supercomputers in our pockets, but we're using them so badly. Uh, and particularly in the in the as I've said so many times, I'm not a big gamer. I just want a casual game that I can play, you know, when I've got 10 minutes between meetings, when I'm, you know, when I'm sitting on the couch and my wife is trying to yammer on about her day. No, that not that one. Um, <laughs> you know, just th- when I'm sitting in traffic, literally stopped doing nothing, it would be nice to be able to play a 90-second round of something. Um, sure. But the, the state of gaming right now and the state of capitalism are so at odds with each other that you can either have a great moneymaker or a great game, but you can't can't seem to have both. Right. Or you end up with the the gem model, like you were saying, where you end up halfway through something and you want to see an ending, but it costs who knows how much to actually get enough extra lives or extra shots at something before it, it, it's just I I get to, I have a hard time with it. And the the model, what, what's the game? I think Candy Crush does this, where you play for a certain amount of time and then you're done unless you pay. Mm-hmm. Right, you gotta you gotta wait thirty minutes or an hour or a day, whatever it is, unless yeah. you pay. And you get life, you get like one life. I think it's every hour or something. So you and you know you can accrue up to like three lives, so or something like that. So this this game that I'm playing that we're talking about, the Bruce Lee one, it's it's arcade style in that you get four lives to start with, and then when they're out, you gotta wait half an hour unless you're willing to pay. Um, it just, I don't like it. I don't like that we live in such an amazing age and we can't find better ways to do this stuff. I'm not, I'm not even mad at the game developer. They're just trying to make some cash and, and it's expensive to hire artists and hire programmers. And I, and I get that. Um, and you get tightwads out there like me who just aren't going to pay for a game because it's not important enough for them. Um, so it's, it's frustrating to me. But see, that's a deeper question. Are people making games 
or are they making income streams? I would say they're making income well, I mean, streams at this point. Shouldn't you be able to do both? Well, I mean, but if you're just trying to throw something out there to cause people to spend money, then your game is going to suck. Uh, but if you're going to develop a game, it is going to take time. And so that's why you have all these one hit wonders. You have somebody who developed this game and then so, Oh, quick, let's have an IPO. And then that game kind of got market saturated. Nobody wants to play it. Well, they can't make another game because the business analyst said you have three days to produce a game. Well, you're going to produce crap in three that's days. That's the Zynga and problem. So, yeah. Yep. So that's, you know, so. People aren't about making games. They're about making something to take money from people. And that's why gaming sucks. But it's, I don't think it's better than the days of the old Atari where I would save allowance for three months to buy a game because they were so expensive. Um, you know, the, the fact that games are now um, accessible at, you know, free or a buck is a boon, but you know, they're lower qualities. Back in the days of the old Atari 2600, when I was playing Yars Revenge for 50 hours uh, over a weekend, you can't even put 50 hours in a weekend, um, it, it was, you know, I, I didn't have to stop every few minutes and, and pay the man for it. I had already sunk mm-hmm. my $60 and $60,1987, mind you, uh, into the game. Uh, so it, I, don't, I don't know that one is better than the other, but it is definitely... Um, the other model, um, the the older model, lets you 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 get your pain over all at once, and then you're just playing it. But if you're yeah. really if it, a Yars Revenge is a I don't I don't know if you ever played it. You're a fly that eats like sugar cubes away. It's it's weird, but also it was it was incredibly addictive, and I loved it. It was fast paced. It was a puzzle slash action game, and what I liked about it is even though you could get to the end of it. It was like the typical Atari games of the day. It just kept getting faster and faster and faster, and the bosses got got bigger and harder. And and once you were over, it wasn't all right. I've completed that. I never want to play it again. You 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 could go back and play it again. And and the old classic games were like that. But today, oftentimes it's all about questing to the end. It's all about the final goal. And once you're done, you're not interested in playing the game anymore. So you've paid sixty dollars right. for you know, 15 hours or 20 hours of, of hardcore entertainment, and then you're done. And then you're, you know, walking around trying to, you know, get achievements so you get the camping problem. You know, a, a guy needs 50 consecutive kills, so he just camps on a spawn spot, spot, and he's not playing the game anymore. He's just gathering achievements. Mm-hmm. Chris, you're the gamer of the group. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> it, it, that's that. You're exactly right, and it's it seems to be – and I don't know if it's just a lack of creativity anymore, but it feels to me like all of the games, no matter what console or entertainment system you're on, they're just cookie cutter from one, you know, one's one success to another success. Cause if you look at all of the first person shooters on the, you know, any of the systems out there, they're all very much the same run and gun. You know, who cares if you get killed or there's no more. You know, looking for health potions or, or first aid kits because you disappear out of the combat for 15 seconds and you're instantly healed again. Uh, but that's, it's a constant feel like that where there is no, there's no new, there's no new product out there. And if there is anything new, because it's new, it never succeeds because no one ever wants to spend the money on something they've never seen before. 
So it's this snake eating its own tail. Eventually, we're going to run out of the same cookie-cutter gameplay, and then what are we going to do? Well, it's not that nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to market it or invest in it to develop it unless it's something new. Everybody is afraid to risk to get the big payout. They would rather say, you know, Advanced Warfighter 78, this time with cheese or something, to (laughs) get a little bit more out of the exact same game than to develop, you know, killer nerf bots from outer space. You know, that might be the next game, but nobody wants to try to kill something by hitting it with nerf bots a thousand times. So there's no marketing behind that. There's no venture capital. In video. That's what we need, venture capitalists in video games. But I, has the landscape changed so much? I, I know we're going so far afield, but we did have Linux right there at the beginning. So yes. uh, for those of you watching YouTube, I forgot to start the stream, so you missed a 20-minute discussion beforehand. Oops, sorry. Uh, you missed the Linux in the show. Um, but uh, is can we can we even go back there? Have we moved so far to the point where it's, it's the same with films? Everything now has to be a blockbuster or it can't be made. If you can't make a hundred right. million opening weekend, you, you can't make it. So a little film uh, doesn't ha- stand a chance anymore. It's got to find its market on, on Netflix or uh, something like that. I think we've just uh, – we've – We've made the stakes so high in in every capacity that the the little casual game, the ones that I'm interested in playing, I'm not interested in the hardcore stuff. I, I was at one point. That part of my life is over. I don't have dozens and dozens of hours to devote yeah. to a game anymore. I want 90 seconds, two minutes at a time. But because the market is so saturated of, with crap in that thing or because it's not a blockbuster, it's it's hard to find the good stuff. And, exactly. you know, and I listen to other podcasts where they recommend games and I, I, I do searches for it and I look at what's popular. And so far I haven't found any of them. You know, the, the, the game that I'm most excited about, uh, is called, uh, flow free. It's a, the connect the dots game and it's, it's an old game. It's been around for a long time, but it's the only one so far that I've found that doesn't, um, annoy me with ads doesn't ruin the gameplay and can be played in 90 seconds and, and it's over and, and I, I want a more advanced you know fighting driving that kind of game but the the stupid need to make money ruins it and i'm not exactly. mad that they want to make money it's just that we've reached a point where market forces are so at odds you can either make a good game or you can make money and it doesn't seem to be you know like Seth said it doesn't seem to be something you can do both yeah or you end up with the, the the microtransaction model that kills the game because it forces people to right. spend money out the nose. Yeah, the, the pay to wait wants thing. Pay to yeah. wait. Yeah. Or the the pay to get bigger, better, badder, and the free people, the freemium guys, get trounced because there's no way to increase yeah, at that, that speed. Yeah, if if it's a, a an MMO something you know multi multiplayer whatever it is if it's something like that th- there is a definite advantage between the guys who point money down and the guys who don't mm-hmm. um and you, you can't the thing that always bothers me about that is the ability you know yeah i'll play i'll put money down on a game if it's but if there's also the ability for it to if i put the money down on the game and play and i get to do whatever i want can I get to that same level as a free player? And if I can't, there's a problem in the game design, right. in my opinion. 
because that freemium person should still be able to get to the same level and the same power as a, a premium player, even if it takes them twice as long to get there. There still should be a path. And it, a lot of those freemium games are, that are like that, you're stuck. You either pay for it or you can't. All right. All right. We, we need to get off of this topic. I didn't mean to do 15 minutes on games, but uh, audience, what do, what do you think? Um, Seth, you got to meet a cool guy, a member of our audience recently. Yeah, yesterday, uh, Jeff, one of uh, he's pretty active on uh, listener feedback. He was driving through my neck of the woods for business, and so we he uh, invited me. We had lunch for a couple hours and just sit and chatted. You know, I mean, he did most of the talking, and I was like, I don't have much to say. But then, you know, he <laughs> listens to me every right. week, so I listened to him and I talked a little bit, but. Um, it was cool to get to meet someone, you know, kind of face to face. And if there's any listeners kind of between Dallas or Tyler and you want to meet up, let me know. It's an uncommon occurrence now that I pretty much do it, you know, uh, weekend or whenever. If all of a sudden there was a line, a queue for me to meet <laughs> me, then you might have to regulate that. Then you have a booking agent. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, it yeah is, so it is Jeff, a, it was great to meet you. Yeah, I don't like to call our listeners fans, but th- they're friends. And right. uh, Jeff, I met Jeff when he had a layover in Atlanta, and I'm pretty sure it's the same Jeff we've got some feedback yes. from later in the game, uh, in the show. Um, it is. He actually talked about it with yeah, me. Okay. So. And um, it, it is nice to meet these friends. We're already friends. You've listened to us for hundreds of hours now. Um, and you feel you know us, and it's it's great to get to to know you back. So w- we encourage that. Um, yeah, and it's only. I it doubt only, anyone's going to come up my way, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> I only charge seventy five dollars an hour for a personal audience, so uh, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, you're into running once again. Yes, um, I've I've lit up my my trailblazing shoes, and I'm going to start because I'm tired of being the fat kid in my group. So I'm going to I'm going to start running again to get my weight back under control since I've been out of the game for, oh, what, two years since my last dislocation put me out of the, the Taekwondo gear. So um, I'm tired of, of waiting. So I'm going to start slowly like I did before and work my way back up to the, you know, I think I was up at two and a half miles on a run. So I'm going to slowly work back up and maybe in a year, in a year or two, when I'm back up to snuff, maybe I'll start telling people i'm going to be going to those uh warrior dashes or yeah. all those fun things that i've been that are on my bucket list to do but at this point i can't do my, my friend sean who most of you know from the tight tech uh yep. decided he was tired of being over 40 and out of shape so instead of uh saying he was going to do a warrior dash he signed up for an iron man triathlon um he, and he's been triathlon training for about the last year and uh, he's done a couple of them now uh many tries he hasn't done a full uh iron man but he's done the the short ones which is only a, a one mile swim a 50 mile bike ride and a 26 mm-hmm. mile run you know the little ones <laughs> <laughs> my 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 boss is a iron man he's done two so far and he's not working on his third and man i don't think i could get to that point I'm sure if I had a goal in mind to, to do a triat an Iron Man, wow, that yeah. that's dedication. I think the Iron Man, the full Iron Man, is a five mile swim, a hundred mile bike ride, and then a and then a, a, a marathon. I'm pretty yeah, sure those like numbers that. are right. Uh, so 
it's insane huge. amount of human endurance to do that. Um, my hat's off to you, Sean. Uh, he looks great. He looks thinner and, and healthier than I've ever known him. Uh, I, on the other hand, you know, uh, make <laughs> more frequent trips to the to the uh, refrigerator. That's my exercise routine. Um, it seems to be working. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Round is a shape. <laughs> Actually, since I got the yeah, since I got the Moto 360, one of the things it does is track steps, and so I have been. I, I've talked about it on the show before. It uh, analyzes you for a week, and at the end of the week, says you did X this week. Would you like to increase your increase your goal by five percent of X? So I've nearly tripled the amount of steps I've taken since December. Just wow. organically, just, you know, um, like, for example, I will park on the third floor of the parking deck and walk up to the fourth floor entrance just to get a few more steps in. It's not hard. It's It doesn't take any, you know, maybe five more minutes out of my day. But by just doing things like that and making extra, you know, every now and then, uh, you know, when I'm sitting at my desk, everybody has this experience. You, you feel a little stiff or whatever. I'll stand up and I'll just take a lap around the office. Um, and you know, little things like that. But again, the, the modification, modification, the, the motivation of the, the watch every couple of hours buzzing and saying your goal is within reach. Um, it's, it's kind of cool. And that's, if in, if nothing else, that's one been one of the benefits of me getting a smartwatch. I know I could do the same thing less expensively with like a Fitbit or whatever, but I am attempting to be, you know, more active, certainly not triathlon style, but just, just by by moving didn't i see um the moto 360 getting a price drop just recently yeah the 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 rumor the expectation is that the second gen is coming out because uh best buy in particular and a couple other stores have dropped the price by 100 bucks so they started at like 350 and then they went down to 250 and, and they've been at 250 that's where i bought mine and now you can pick one up for 149 um yeah so. they're still 250 at the google store yeah so it, it just you know in some places like it's uh uh i can't remember where it was but you buy any phone you get one for 99 bucks uh so they're they're trying to they're trying to get rid of their stock because presumably the next model's coming out how do you like the uh the notifications on your on the watch Does i that- really really like it a lot and, and yeah? it's Again, it's it's so first world problems. I don't have to pull my phone out of my pocket anymore. But today was a perfect example. I was having lunch in a noisy restaurant with some friends after church, and uh, my wrist buzzed, and I looked at it, and it said, there's a severe stun- thunderstorm 20 miles away moving your direction at 10 miles an hour. All right, guys, it's time to wrap this up and get to the house. We don't want to yeah. get stuck in this. And that was just a perfect example to me today. I never would have heard my phone in that noisy environment. Uh, but right. my, my wrist buzzed, and there was the, the, the short notification. I was able to swipe up and read the rest of it, and uh, you know, and we took action based on it. Um, it turned out to be not terribly severe. It skirted us, but still, the, the idea was that's, that's what I want a smartwatch for, those little notifications like that. Sure. Um, and yeah. it's, it's really great. I'll have to look into it. You know, and I've complained about battery life. I put this one on uh, almost exactly 12 hours ago, and I've got 41% battery right now. Um, wow. It just depends on the day. Um, for some reason, I think I've mentioned it before, the act of driving, being in the car, for some reason, kills the battery. And I think it's it, it's a GPS thing or trying to update the location. But if I drive an hour, um, that same hour of of sitting at my desk will drop the battery like five or six percent if driving it'll drop at 30 percent hmm. um, i would guess because it's it's thinking you're shaking and, and you're actually exercising so it's trying to be. track your 
because I know my uh, my polar loop does that when I'm in the car, and depending on where I'm driving to will dictate on how active it thinks I am, because it sees my body sh- shivering with the road conditions. So that could be it. That would be my guess. So you know, when days when I know I'm going to be on the road a lot, I uh, take a charger with me. Not a big deal. Does it have a just a simple um, micro USB? In- it's Jack a Qi or? charger. So any oh, standard Qi okay. pad. Yeah. Sweet. I'm definitely going to look into it. Okay. Moving right along to our listener feedback. First up, Jonathan uh, says thanks. He says, hello, I'm Jonathan from Wolverhampton in England, and I simply wanted to say thank you for your EDL podcast. I've recently been through a bad patch, uh, and your show has been a constant source of entertainment for me. It's good to know that there are decent people with down-to-earth common sense values in the tech world and in the world in general. So thanks again, and please keep it up. You affect people more than you know. Jonathan, emails like that uh, really drive me um, more than you know. So thank you for your kind words. Yeah, we yes. don't have to say much more than that. We're all, we all feel the same way. When I started doing this whole thing um, five years ago now, uh, my goal, first off, was to entertain secondarily was to educate and and tertiarily was to uh, motivate to inspire uh, but if you listen to this show don't learn a dang thing but laugh all the way through i've i've won so thank you for your kind words Definitely. Um, another Mark offers an audiobook alternative. He says, I lo- also love audiobooks. However, why buy a book you'll only listen to once? Libraries have existed for hundreds of years, thousands, uh, to provide uh, just such a service. Many libraries use a service called Overdrive. Depending on your local library, the collection is huge and free. Uh, from the Kindle and Nook crowd, they also lend books for those platforms. My library allows you to check out up to 10 books at a time and keep them for two weeks. I alternate between fiction and nonfiction books and almost always have at least one checked out. Uh, one more thing, to someone my age, the Avengers, Avengers must include Emma Peel. Uh, I checked out Overdrive, and for my local library, there were about 400 books in the audio uh, category. About seven of them I'd want to read. Um but your your mileage may vary. Uh, and, yeah, it's an app you put on your phone, and I haven't tried any of them out. But, uh, you know, free audiobooks for the win. Yeah. Can't yeah a guy about free I books. work with, he uses the library to check out books, audiobooks. And, and, you know, I know for a long time they were struggling with how to be relevant in that. There were books on tapes in the 70s and CDs in the 80s and 90s, and, and they were trying to figure out this whole, uh, you know, modern digital sharing thing. Uh, I had never heard of Overdrive before Mark mentioned them. Um, but the, one of the reasons I love Audible, and this isn't going to be an Audible ad, is that because you pay for it, the quality is first rate, almost always. Uh, there there are a few examples of, of that. The, some of the... In my in my experience, some of the worst readers are the authors themselves, um, but you know the some the quality can vary. But for the most part, Audible is top quality stuff, and the subscription model works for me. I get a couple of books a month, and I'm fine with it. But yeah, if if Overdrive, if I had looked through the catalog at my and it is associated with your local library, you tell them who your library is, and that tells you what you get, and you have to log on with your library credentials. So you can't just say, well, my library's in uh, downtown L.A. It doesn't work that way unless you can call up in downtown L.A. and get a license, a, a library card. Maybe you can. Uh, but anyway, in the the smallish 
area uh, the library that i have the the collection wasn't huge and the selection was wasn't anything that interested me particularly lots of lots of romance and um um fantasy and that sort of stuff so if you're into that great but for me it, it, there really wasn't anything but anyway overdrive check it out free yeah, i'm gonna look books. into it <laughs> and there might be other models out there besides just overdrive as well yeah i mean talk to your librarian they will be amazed that somebody walked in the door over the age of 12. Um, <laughs> yeah, who doesn't want to look at porn on the free computers? <laughs> so, uh, I had a lot of like, discussions The, the computers are that. over there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's real. Libraries have become internet cafes. Um, and I don't know that that's a bad thing necessarily, but it does. There is the whole what if scenario. What if the internet crashes? Where's all our stuff? Now, what if your library burns? Um, it's so it's there's what ifs all around. Yeah, right. And lastly, a bit of audio feedback from um, our friend Jeff, who apparently I was unaware of this. Let me know that there are more than simply three Star Wars movies. This is this is news to me. Let's check out what he has. What? To say. No, that's blasphemy. Hey, Mark and guys, this is Jeff. I have a Linux heavy question for you. In a recent episode, y'all mentioned a little bit about Star Wars. You had read uh, read or listened to a uh, book about the Star Wars history, and it had inspired you to go back to start re-watching them. I was already in the process of uh, starting to watch all six of the earlier movies with one of my children who uh, has not seen them in several years in preparation for Episode 7 coming this fall, and... The question came up, what order do we watch them in? Um, the two obvious choices are, are just straight numerical order, one through six. Um, the second obvious choice is release date order, going with four, five, six, then dropping back to one, two, and three. However, I came across a third option online that uh, some people are recommending you watch them in this order, four, then five, then drop back to one, two, and three, and then jump forward to six. Um, and yes, Mark, there are six movies in the series. There are not only three. Uh, one, two, and three do exist. Um, so the idea behind the uh, four, five, one, two, three, six order is that you're introduced to the series in the way it was introduced to everybody with the most impact with episodes four and five. Then you go back to catch up the backstory, which really fills in all the missing pieces about Anakin and Darth Vader and uh, those kinds of things. And then stepping forward to see his final redemption in Episode 6. And I was just wondering what y'all's opinion was. Um, whether or not uh, y'all had a uh, an opinion one way or the other on which order was the best to watch the Star Wars uh, 6 movies in. And yes, Mark, there are 6. Um, sorry to mention Linux in that... Uh, intro to this question it was to throw you off <laughs> so um let's talk about that uh the, what you the, the the most commonly uh known order is called the machete order and it came out uh, on uh, the machete i think machete.org blog that's why it's got that name and it says uh four five um two three six just eliminating one altogether because let's face it it was the weakest of all the movies um, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot watch them in numerical order. One, two, three, four, five, six. You cannot do that. Do not do that to your children. <laughs> because by, the, I've said this before, when, when you, if you watch one, two, and three, and yes, I'm admitting that they exist, but 
under protest. There will be an asterisk in the no, show title. Hypothetically, for this conversation, <laughs> if you watch one, two, and three. So if you watch one, two, and three, when you get to the big reveal at the end, Luke, I uh, Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. You, you, the whole time you're like, yeah, whatever. And and if you watch the four and five first, that's shocking. Darth Vader is the ultimate evil. He is the embodiment of all that is dark and vile. And Luke is this innocent uh, farm boy kid who you know d- has never really done anything of consequence either way, good or bad. And you find out that he is the descendant of the Dark Lord Satan. It is powerful and 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 violent and in heart wrenching and that's good storytelling but if you start with the prequels you already know that and there is no power to it you already know that leia is a sister you could already put you can pretty well push piece that together spoilers by the way for the 1978 movie um that you you pretty much already know that or at least you can put it together uh pretty pretty easily so do not ever do that a friend of mine uh, said that they introduced their kids uh, on Facebook, introduced them to Star Wars starting with episode one. And I just, I, I felt a disturbance in the force as if thousands of beings cried out in horror and were suddenly silenced. You you can't do that. Um, four, five, two, three, six, I think makes the most sense because really um, Anakin's story is fleshed out better in two and three than it is in one. Um, and you can skip the whole Qui-Gon thing entirely and and miss most of the mentions of midi-chlorians. Uh But if you have to put that one in there, um, then you know, I think four, five, one, two, to, three. You need to watch the scene, though, when they're going through those stupid doors that have no reason to exist except to make the, <laughs> the jumpers? lightsaber duel. Um, well, the, that was just, that was retarded. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just more more fertilizer for the imagination um but you need to watch that so you get a sense of obi-wan um i think because one, i mean it was just an awesome fight scene it you was need to see that yeah um i just recently went back and watched uh you know i i told you from from reading the book i was i watched four five and six i went back and watched episode one for the first time since 1999 um i own it i have it in my collection but i haven't watched it so I thought, you know, it's it's been 15 years. Maybe maybe it's going to be better. No. No, it's not. Um it's still a horrible piece of dreck that is visually stunning. It, the visuals hold up 15 years later. But the the it's just it's horrible. Jar Jar, need I say more? Um ironically though, Jar Jar is the only character in that movie that undergoes a change. You know, the classic story structure is uh, is somebody goes through conflict and conflict brings about change. The only person you could say that of in episode 1 is Jar Jar. How sad is that? That's immensely sad. So, Jeff, my my advice is 4 5 If you want to go back and fill in the backstory, fine. But I think it's too jarring to go four, five, one, two, three, and then jump back to six. I say four, five, six, one if you have to, two, three. What do you guys? I think? read I read an awesome article online years ago where um, Jar Jar was prosecuted for war crimes because you know he was the one that was tricked in in right. the Senate 
into uh calling for that and uh and so he was later prosecuted uh has for war crimes because of everything that happened it was an awesome it was an awesome article i'm sure you can find it somewhere if only there were some repository of information you could find the previous history of the world <laughs> chris do you have any thoughts on the viewing order uh not really uh, the, everything's been said that needs to be said most of the time, I avoid episode one entirely for obvious reasons. So I would say do the whole two. I would start with two and three it, it, unless you want the giant surprise of Darth Vader. But what's the point? Okay. Uh, you're allowed You're allowed to have your opinion, however wrong it may be. Um, but why would you do that to yourself? Why would you start at two and three? And I mean the one of the powerful moments of episode 4 is the first the first like 14 minutes of the movie where you haven't heard a line of dialogue yet and you've got all these hardened seasoned uh, grizzled veterans lined up in this hallway looking at this doorway scared out of their wits about what's going to come through it and then mm-hmm. the stormtroopers break through and then Vader follows and even the stormtroopers step aside you totally ruin that when you when you pick up episode 3 and Vader uh, comes up, you know, in his full form. You you lose that reveal. Um, yeah, maybe I reverence the uh, have too much reverence for the original um, because it was so pivotal to me growing up. Uh, so I I will admit that I I do worship a little bit at the church of the 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 original series, but I just I just I just don't think you can do that. I don't think you can start anywhere but episode four. Well, it depends on how you want your your story to be told to you. If you want the giant reveals and the 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 mystery of who Darth Vader is, then yes, you start with four, five, six, and then go back to get the backstory two and three. That would be the way I would normally. That's the way I made my son watch it. We when he started getting into Star Wars, I sat him down. We watched four, five, and six. I went back and we watched two and three. And when the first time Jar Jar came on for episode one, when he was watching it on his own, he came up to me and goes, "Dad, what is that? <laughs> what? Why is that even in this in the story?" So my kids have seen four, five, and six. They don't know that one, two, and three exist. <laughs> I mean, they've seen it on the 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 video collection, but I've not talked about it to them. Seth, you were going to say, um. I don't know if you take out, if you already know the backstory Four is actually a pretty crappy movie. I yes. mean, you know, yes. it, it's, it's, it's like, wait a minute, that that's Darth Vader. And you know what he's about. Wait a minute. Obi-Wan. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. Last time they fought, it was a really good battle. This is pathetic. Um, and then the whole, I'm not your father. Shut up, Luke. Yes, he is. <laughs> you know, it just, they become, crappy movies um if you know the uh if you know the beginning i agree but you know like like a lot of good novels that start in the middle of a story and the character had amnesia or something like that or the investigator arrived you know and then they had to piece together what happened that's how you know and even i'm sure you could edit it somehow and put you know, like I say, there's about 10 minutes of decent stuff in one and two and three. You could splice it in to four, five and six. That would probably be the best thing. 
So you're like seeing this flashbacks. backstory develop as you see it. But otherwise, it's just they're 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 crappy B movies if you already know what's going to happen. Okay, we've we've gone far too far into that. <laughs> so let's talk about another evil empire and Microsoft strikes back this time in India. Uh yes, you know, we covered before how India they came out with this um, open source friendly computing policy that said, hey, you know, you really need to give open source a try, blah, blah, blah. Well, Microsoft, you know, they've got lawyers and they've got wads of cash and they have wads of employees in India. And so I guess it's technically not blackmail, but it's lobbying through a third party um, who may or may not be a wholly owned subsidiary or a subsidiary that depends on you for 99.87% of their existence. Um, and basically got that statement, the Indian government statement on free software to kind of be watered down to just say it, it basically now says, um, we need to use software. And I'm like, really? You need to use software on computers? So, yeah. So, you know, we covered it before how it was a big day for open source when the world's largest democracy came out in favor of open source software. Well, you know, one of the world's largest software companies said, um, maybe, hey, guys, we, we're over here and kind of got on the backtrack a little bit. All right. Um I have no comment on that other than yeah, I, resistance that. truly is futile sometimes. Um, Especially if it's re- less than one ohm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow, that was a geek joke. I like that. That was a good one, though. So I, I want to talk uh, now. This this is going to be more or less the topic of the show. Um, it's, a, it's an article written by uh, Richard Stallman, one of my favorite heroes of the faith. Um and picked up by The Guardian and a few others. We're, we're quoting specifically The Guardian article. Um, and I never do this, but I actually want to read the entire article, and we'll stop and make our comments throughout. So this was, um, I don't even need to introduce, this is Stallman writing. So here we go. Um, in 1983, when I started the free software movement, malware was so rare that each case was shocking and scandalous. Now it's normal. To be sure, I'm not talking about viruses. Malware is a name for a program designed to mistreat its users. Viruses typically are malicious, but software products and software pre-installed in products can also be malicious, and often are, uh, when not free slash libre. In 1983, the software field had become dominated by proprietary, i.e. non-free programs, and users were forbidden to change or redistribute them. I developed the GNU operating system, which is often called Linux, <clears throat> to escape and end that injustice. But proprietary developers in the late 1980s still had some ethical standards. They sincerely tried to make the program serve their users, even while denying user controls over how they would be served. Any comments so far by anybody on the panel? <laughs> yes. I, uh, you know, I'm surprised one, there wasn't a GNU Linux when, uh, mm-hmm. on the often called Hmm. Yeah, there. He did not develop. You know, he <laughs> developed. Oh golly, I just. I wonder if this isn't the person who wrote this article. Kind of threw that in. Well, because Stallman wrote the article according to the the byline. 
I, I find it hard to believe. I, I, no, he did not write Linux. Sorry. He wrote the shell, the, the visuals, but not the core. He wrote many of the, the components, the GNU yeah. compiler, for example, um, many of the, the, the GNU based stuff. He was cobbling together the pieces that would one day become an operating system. Uh, in much the same way that a car collector might go to the junkyard and cobble together pieces that might someday be a car. What he did not have was a kernel, i.e. the engine of the car. Linus Torvalds yep. made that, and it was the Linux kernel. People then took the Linux kernel and heavily patched Stallman stuff around it to create various operating systems. There is no GNU operating system as far as I know of. No, there is, but it's been in beta basically since 1983. Okay. So um, I've actually, <laughs> I've been looking, I've been wanting to do a show about it, but there is a GNU slash operating system. Okay. So um, he, he can claim to... But it's not to, Linux. He can claim to have written the GNU operating system. I will I will allow him to to claim that because he did put together most of the parts. But his operating still operating system still doesn't have a kernel as far as I know. There's no GNU kernel, not fully functional yet. Um, yeah, that's why it's in beta. Still. Right. So and and I've heard him in other articles say we had everything we needed except a kernel. Well that's kind of a big deal. So yes it's not fair to call every um Linux based operating system Linux. But it's also not fair to call uh, something heavily built on KDE GNU. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I'm going to move on now. Um, so he's he's ca- basically calling uh, anything that seeks to take power from the users malware. So in, in that regard, anytime I've ever written a piece of software, it was malware. Because one of the basic things you have to do is sanitize your inputs. You can't let the user input whatever they want. Therefore, you're taking control from them, and it is malware, according to Richard Stallman. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, there's crapware, there's scumware, there's baitware, um, and, you know, and malware. Um, There's adware, there's viruses. So there's lots of crap that technically isn't malicious, but is still crap. You know, so many, um, so many products bundle in these third party things to redirect search or stuff like that. There's a lot of that out there, but he is speaking in broad universal terms. Um, you know, hyperbole for the sake of extra hyperbole for the sake of exaggeration to set up a straw man argument that he can tear down. Oh, but it gets so much better. So continuing <laughs> on with the article. Tell. Uh, how far things have sunk. Developers today shamelessly mistreat users. When caught, they claim that the fine print in the end-user license agreements make it ethical. That might at most make it lawful, which is different. So many cases of proprietary malware have been reported that we must consider any proprietary program suspect and dangerous. Really? Wow. If it's not open, it's dangerous. In the 21st century, proprietary software is computing for suckers. You're all suckers. Everybody listening to this show is a sucker. What sort of wrongs are found in malware? Some programs are designed to snoop on the user. Some are designed to shackle the users, such as digital rights management, DRM. Some have backdoors for doing remote mischief. Some even impose censorship. Some developers explicitly sabotage their users. Really? Examples, please. Um, so far, nothing. Here we go. 
Well, uh, there's lots of band limiting software that if you yes. buy a thing, you can only use so much and then you're penalized or you're overcharged. So, I mean, baby bathwater. Uh, <laughs> so. Okay, continue on because he gets, he gets even more bombastic as we go. Um, what sorts of wrongs? Oh, wait, I already read that. What kind of programs constitute malware? Operating systems, first of all. Windows snoops on users, shackles users, and on mobile sensors apps. It also has a universal backdoor that allows Microsoft to remotely impose software changes. It's called the Update Center, and you can disable it if you want. (laughs) Microsoft sabotages Windows users by showing security holes to the NSA before fixing them. Okay, he's got a link to there to something that may or may not be true, but really... Okay, on mobile, it censors apps, meaning that you have to check the box to allow it to to sideload. Okay, um, and the universal backdoor that allows Microsoft to remotely impose software changes. Yes, the update center. That's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Moving on along. No other comments. I mean, you know, I mean, just talking a bunch of mumbo jumbo it's 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 funny to listen to it but to think that he actually believes some of this is just amazing i mean we're preaching to the choir here but if you think (laughs) about joe user who still thinks that your computers come equipped with coffee trays you know and look for the any key they're going to read this and go, holy crap, I can't touch my computer. The government knows. I mean, you know, the sad part is there's kernels of truth that exactly. that he builds not just an operating system. He builds a freaking supercomputer out of this little one line of code kind of has an example. But we talk about this kind of crap all the time. He just he goes so overboard. So overboard. I mean, he's like at the bottom of the ocean overboard. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Continuing on with Stallman's article in The Guardian. Um, Apple systems are malware too. Mac OS snoops on and shackles iOS. Uh, and Excuse me. Mac OS snoops and shackles. iOS snoops, shackles, sensors apps, and has a backdoor. Even Android contains malware in a non-free component. A backdoor for remote, forcible installation or deinstallation of any app. This is true. Android yep. can remove apps that have been known to be um, m- malware. Uh, they have done it, and they can continue to do it. Because they yep. own the store. They don't own the operating system. They own the store that you can, by the way, take off of your phone if you don't want it. Yep. You know, it, it, here's the thing. The internet is so interconnected that if you don't know and you load your machine up with crap, you, your machine then turns around because it's being programmed to spew forth crap and cover the great digital landscape with yards and yards of manure. And so that you have to take some, you know, it's much like if you lived in a city. Like, for example, let's say you lived on the 50th floor of some high rise and, you know, you busted out the window and you were shooting at people just randomly. The police are going to come and cause you to stop shooting with force. That's an infringement on your freedom, Seth. 
Well, I know it is, but you know, people, the man on the street would welcome the cops taking action against the person in the window with the gun, just randomly shooting people. And digitally, that's what's happening. And since people don't know and don't want to be informed about security, there has to be some method to make other people secure. Um, gone way overboard, but again, he, yeah. he's, he's doing, he's ranting in full form. So please, Mark, continue with the yes. great Stallman. <laughs> Speaking words. of yards and yards of manure, continuing with the article. Um, what about non-free apps? Plenty of malware there. Even humble flashlight apps for phones were found to be reporting data to companies. A recent study found that QR code scanners apps also snoop. All right. I got no argument with that statement. Apps for streaming services tend to be the worst since they are designed to shackle users against saving a copy of the data they receive, as well as making users identify themselves so that their viewing and listening habits can be tracked or that you can log so that you can log into your account. That's why they're tracking you. It's called having an account. Because they'd be able to do that anyway. And so, so let's talk about um, Pandora or Netflix or Spotify. Yes, they don't let you download copyrighted uh, stuff because the, the law pretty much in every country in the world says you can't do that. It, so if, a, if a, an app doesn't shackle you in that way, it's illegal. So, Stallman, if, if you want to write a free thing that allows you to do that, you will then be a felon. In most countries. Or your app won't even be able to be installed or instantly removed because it breaks laws. Well, no, you could you could write such an app, make it completely free using free code. Um, you could uh, sideload that, make it sideloadable, not part of any of the, the app stores. As far as I know, nobody can remove a sideloaded app. Uh, it has to be have, to have a, a link to the store. So it's entirely oh. possible. But that would be illegal because... Whether you like it or not, Stallman, copyright exists. It is a thing. And by the way, some of your stuff, this article itself, you've put a copyright on. It's a Creative Commons, but by definitions, by definition, that's a copyright. Yep. Copy left. You can call it whatever you want. But anyway, uh, so moving on, uh, the Free Software Foundation reports on many more cases of proprietary malware. What about other digital projects? We know that the smart TV and the Barbie doll that transmit uh, conversations remotely, proprietary software in cars that stops those who used who we used to call car owners from fixing their cars. The car itself does not report everywhere it drives. An insurance company may charge you extra to go without a separate tracker what non sequitur doesn't have anything yes if insurance companies can do that and you cannot have that insurance <laughs> that's allowed too um uh, as far as i know most of the major companies offer some sort of tracker app um that you install in your car and they call it a safe driving discount um yep. i don't know that all of them do but there's a number of them do and it's entirely voluntary yes they may charge you more without it but that's called having a discount for it. Yeah. Right. So yes, it's it is true. Bottom line, it is true that, that you pay more is. without it. But you, it's it's in the form of a discount. You can save money if you let them track. I personally, I wouldn't have a problem with that because I I'm a safe driver, and if they want to know that I'm a safe driver and they're going to cut my rates by X percent, I'm fine with that. 
But my point in all of this is that there is consent given for almost all of these things, right? So sometimes the consent is using the product. Yep. But that is still consent. It's not like they're raping you against your will. You are giving them consent to do these things. The insurance company wants to charge you uh, less for tracking your movements. They don't. They don't break into your car in the middle of the night and install this thing. This is by consent. Uh, Spotify, Netflix. This is by consent. You sign that end user license agreement. You choose to do it. And it's the the basic mentality of this article is. Anytime you allow somebody to give up rights, the person giving up the rights is not evil. You, who are allowing them the freedom to give up rights, are evil. Yep. I mean, you know, this is like, we have this conversation every week, so. (laughs) Or every time, or every time his name comes up. Right. Okay, so. moving on. There's a little more to go in the article. I don't want to. I don't want him to to write me up and say that I misrepresented him. I'm reading his words word for word. Um, where was I? If the car does not report everywhere you drive, an insurance company may charge you extra to go without a separate uh, tracker. Meanwhile, some GPS navigators save up where you've gone in order to report back when connected to update the maps. Yes, most personal trackers that you would use for tracking a run do that because they don't have connectivity when you're running and it's all a service you're asking for this tracking you're calling it tracking but this is a service most of these things you're talking about you are asking them to track it is a service you are asking for them to do and then you're getting mad that you do it continuing on amazon's kindle e-reader reports what page of the book is being read plus notes all the uh plus all notes and underlying the inner use uh, the user enters what the crap is this? Of course it does that. That's so that when you go from one app to another, logging into your account, it has the page you are on and the notes that you entered. That's not tracking. That's providing you with an account that allows you to access the same functionality wherever you are. <laughs> Moving on along, <laughs> since there's no comment. Um uh, it says it also it shackles the user against sharing or even freely giving away or lending the book and has an Orwellian backdoor for erasing books, which they've used once the, for a book that was never supposed to have been released. Um, I, yes, I have complained that you can't lend or give away a Kindle book. But what you need to understand is you're not buying the book. You're buying access to it. You're not buying the physical media. If you want to that, you go buy the book, but you're going to pay more than 99 cents, right? So that's the bargain that you strike up with Amazon in their Kindle. You get the book for 99 cents or 2.99 or 3.99, where you would ordinarily pay $15 at uh, Barnes and Noble uh, when you go into the the book. And that's the difference between having access to the material and owning the physical medium. But this whole choice, this, this whole thing about tracking you. Knowing which page of the book I'm on is evil in some way? You're just off the reservation, my friend. At least Can you even bit. see it anymore? Okay, continuing on. Should you trust an internet of proprietary software things? Don't be an <laughs> His words, not mine. The companies that sell malware are skilled at spinning the malfunctionalities as services to the customer. So everything that I've said 
all of these malfunctions are they've spun as services. So he's saying that I'm a mouthpiece here. But they could offer most of these services with freedom and anonymity if they wanted to. They could. But would people pay for it? But that's the thing. They could not do this because then they would not be making any money and they would not be able to invest in the infrastructure to write the programs to provide the service. I mean, when you take the time to cherry pick the data to set up straw men um, in a hypothetical situation and you don't expect anybody to have the audacity to question you, well, or actually, you know, I mean, he he is a politician because all a politician says is these are the facts you're wrong these are the facts you're wrong these are the facts you're wrong until finally people just quit uh you know quit trying to pay any attention to them so that's you know i mean the sad part is there is a lot of good information in this article it's just covered over with so much bs that it makes it unpresentable and it makes it makes someone who it makes a sane rational person who would espouse this point of view shut up and shame basically so maybe okay, i don't can- know. Continuing on, he says, It is fashionable to recognize the viciousness of today's computing, only to declare resistance unthinkable. Many claim that no one could resist gratification for mere freedom and privacy. But it's not as hard as they say. We can resist. So we are being shills. Everything that we've said, we're being fashionable, recognizing as, as that you can't resist. And we talked about it, I think, last week, Seth, your link, maybe two weeks ago, uh, was the way Stallman computes. And this is, uh, computes, and this is the, this guy lives what he says. And I respect him for that. But I also understand that he makes his money by speaking engagements and by consulting and things like that because he could not make a living selling anything based on his philosophy in the world that he wants us all to live in there would be a lot of really hungry people there's only so many consultants and and public speakers you can have in the world yeah you know i guess it's one of those things in a perfect world if everybody did it and everybody shared and it didn't matter then you know yes this would work but unfortunately it's not a perfect world so you know i don't know why can't we all just get along so picking up with uh, with what he said, we can resist individually by rejecting proprietary software and web services that snoop or track. Collectively, by organizing to develop free slash Libre replacement systems and web services that don't track those who use them. And democratically, by legislation to criminalize various sorts of malware practices. This wow. presupposes democracy, and democracy requires defeating treaties such as the TPP and TTIP that give companies the power to suppress democracy copyright 2015 richard stallman released under the creative commons no derivatives 4.0 license wow so that bilge followed by the word copyright (laughs) kettle pot a little bit there i mean how can you do that if you know, how can you do every, where are you going to get your, how are you going to live if you spend all of your time developing stuff that you just give away? 
Well, you're going to do it the way he does it. You're going to do it as a as a consultant, as a speaker, as a as a shaman. Is essentially what he is. He's created this this culture around him, uh, in which people give him money for his thoughts. It's nice work if you can get it. Right, but, yeah, no but in terms of technology, he lives twenty years ago. At um, least, and and according to the things that he's laid out, I am restricting you by making you have a a log on to my site to be able to post a content because I'm tracking you. Anytime you log on with that, I know what you typed. I can see your IP address. I am evil and vicious, and I my website is malware. <laughs> Because I don't let you comment without logging in. Why do I do that? Because when I do that, the bots go crazy and I get hundreds of posts an hour of garbage. So I am choosing to be evil and vicious and malware to save myself some time. It's the conceit that I've made. I am, in fact, Darth Vader. I am your father. (laughs) You're not my father. (laughs) It's just such layers and layers. I I mean, I don't understand how he can be on that that far of the scale and actually be functional in this world. He's not. He's not. He has people that does stuff for him. He is not functional in this world. Yeah, there's no way he could be. Um, I yeah. I, yeah, there's you can't even speak the same language. You know. You can't have a conversation with him because you're not even talking the same language. I I, I don't know how to, you know, reason, reason and logic fails you um, if you seek to find common ground with him. And, and, and you know, again, I, I want to say we need the hairy locust eating voice in the wilderness that I think Seth, you put it exactly right. Uh, the last time we talked about him, we need to see the the far end of the spectrum on both sides, right? And we need that example. We need to bring balance to the force. We need Richard Stallman and those like him. Um, but he he the the world that he lives in is not the world that the rest of us live in. Nor can it be. Right. Um, I I could not do my job, have my income, provide for my family, were I to attempt to live by the Richard Stallman method of computing. Couldn't do it. And that's a choice I make. I choose to feed my family rather than be, and and I accept the shackles, as he puts it, and I accept the viciousness um, in order to provide for my family by using Windows um, and Citrix and in Excel. These are these are the shackles that that are placed on me so that I can do my work. Um, but I choose to be shackled by Audible so that I can go to any Audible device and pick up where the last chapter was. They're tracking me, the evil jerks, um, <laughs> so that they provide me the service of not having to scan through every time. Where was I? And he says that you could do this without tracking. I, I surely don't know how. Admittedly, he's far smarter than I am. So maybe he knows a way to keep track of my audio and, and my reading progress on multiple devices without tracking me. But well, uh, if I don't you know how to do built it. the system yourself and housed it yourself and connected back to it from any device over hardware 
that somebody gave you with an internet connection you didn't have to pay for either place and the elect you had like a, a kinetic <laughs> generator that you made your child spin to so, provide electricity so then you could do it so so it could be done that's very doable for everyone yeah and again stallman god bless you for living your principles but i really think he's doing more harm than good i he he like I've made this example before and and ticked off many listeners. There are people yelling at their podcast device right now. In fact, oh, one of the emails I I got <laughs> recently said I was telling you about this during the show, Mark, but you didn't hear me. That made me <laughs> laugh. Um, was uh, you know Richard Stallman is akin to labor unions in the U.S. They were important for a time. Now they're just holding us back. Um, and Stallman, you were important for a time, but now you're just holding us back. Oh, you know, it, this article, golly, this article, I, I, you know, he sets up these straw man arguments, and I can't remember the term for that, but there's a term in debate and rhetoric for what he did here. And it's a very simple term that anybody with uncommon sense and an internet connection could, you know, shoot holes in up one side and down the other, you know, and his article would look like an old timey Swiss cheese, uh, before they figured out how to get the hay out that produced the holes. So. Whew. Talk about a stretched metaphor. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just, there's <laughs> anyway, it's the same stuff. So just go listen to our previous 194 shows, right. and, you know, hear our <laughs> views on this. Um, I, I don't know where to go from this. I, I really don't. I, I'm going to appeal to the listener. What do you think? Am I all wet on this? Some of you think so. I honestly, truly want to hear what you have to say. Um, yeah. And if, you know, I just can't, I can't allow, Seth put this article in there and I read it just, you know, uh, like I read a, a lot of the stuff he puts in there. And the more I read it, the more angry I got. Um, And I would feel angry about any topic where this method of proselytizing was used. The, the man is, you know, Seth has referred to it many times, a straw man. He's, um, it's essentially, it's a reductio ad absurdum. He's, he's reducing the, the, the other person's argument to the simplest level and then mocking it as absurd. But he's not, he's not actually, he's not, he's telling the truth in the most absurd way you can tell the truth um, and calling, calling um, having an account on a server tracking. I can't argue with that. That is technically true, but it's also entirely ridiculous. Right. And so it made me mad that somebody so smart was used employing tactics, tactics that are so slimy. You're above, you're better than that. Richard Stallman. Well, a quick least, read of your Wiki, Wikipedia page shows me that you're better than that. What you have done for computing, what you have done for the world at large, the, the sacrifices you have made for your principles tells me that you are better than this drivel. And that's what makes me mad. Not that we disagree, but that you are better than that, Richard Stallman. And I'm calling you out because what you did here is unacceptable in any field. And you happen to be terrorizing the field that i love and it pisses me off 
but I don't think he'll ever hear it because we don't practice open. Well, no, this is released on an MP3, so he'll never hear it. Exactly. (laughs) But one of his minions might. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I give up certain freedoms so I don't have to be... um, so I don't have to like find safe drinking water on my own every day <laughs> yes. and watch over my vegetables and keep the coyotes off and shoot people who are trying to come take the last deer that I killed in a 50 mile radius. I gave up freedoms. I gave up personal rights to live in a community um, because I don't want to have to uh, mine the ore to produce the nails that I use to nail these two boards together that I went out in the woods and cut down so I would have shelter to protect me from the rain. I went and performed a service to receive something that I could go and purchase that. So yes, you, if you are a genius, you can write your own code. You can mine your own metals. You can buy your own hardware. You can. You know, you can fire up the silicon and write drivers for it, and you can live in your own little utopian free world. But for the rest of the population uh, of Earth, you have to contribute something to get something. Um, you can't just have it given to you for free. So in what you are contributing, you are contributing... They take your stats and a bunch of other people's stats and they sell them to a company so that that company will show ads to you. So hopefully you'll buy something so they can charge that company more money the next round of ads. So if you don't want to do that, then, you know, go private. Don't ever watch a modern television show. Don't ever watch a modern video. Don't play a modern game. Don't use modern hardware and, you know, garbage dive. I don't know. Dumpster dive to get your clothes and subsist versus live but see he would say that's the fallacy of futility that what you just said there is is incorrect in saying that we can't we can't make it in the modern world without it um i mean he could say that good good for him you know, he, he has, he is much more well known than me. Um, you know, he's had more than one person buy him lunch, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, good for him. It, it, it works, but you know, it, it's like you said, I would, I would expect better from this. This looks like somebody who was, um, cryogenically preserved from the turn of the (laughs) millennium which is probably the last time he was doing real work and he has become a figurehead and a spokesman and he is not you know he he was great in computing but he's probably not it may i don't know maybe he is maybe he's still the greatest coder ever but it this strikes me as somebody who has been out of the loop and you know they they did their thing to get famous they were on the hamster wheel or whatever they got famous so they got off the hamster wheel and they think the conditions are exactly like when they left you know the market has changed and you don't you you remember when we had um i think her name was dawn um on and we interviewed her and you know we talked about watching movies and she was like oh you can go to the internet archive and there's tons of movies there and it's true, there are tons of movies there, but there's nothing I want to watch. 
So, <laughs> right. you know, that's the free kind of stuff. It took a lot of money to make those movies. And if I want to watch them, it would be wrong for me to expect to watch them legally for free. So, you know, there's lots of great books out there. Uh, if I want to watch them, it would be wrong to expect to be able to watch them for free or read them for free. Even a public library, uh, most of their funding comes indirectly from taxes you pay, which is why if you live in the area, it's free for you. But somebody else coming in, they have to pay a charge because your taxes contribute to that public library. You have already paid for the service. So you would, you know, you have to pay. You have to pay to play. You have to have something to get you a seat at the table. Nobody is just going to say, hey, buddy, come on up and sit down. You know, you've got to ante up. And he anted up many years ago, and he did a far better job probably than I have. But, you know, he he paid his dues. And anybody else who wants to come to the table has to pay their dues, too. And this article would seem to say you don't have to. And that is why I disagree with it. Yeah, so to get to the, the topic, the titular topic of the show, he defines malware, quote, malware is the name for a program designed to mistreat its users. So he is, he first he's de- defined malware as something that mistreats, and then he's defined mistreat. Right. And when you get to define all the terms, then you can call anything malware. Uh, in his In his world, the Windows OS is malware because it mistreats because he gets to define what mistreating is. And I don't remember the name for this, but he takes a term that is a known term in the technology industry, malware. And he uses that term throughout this article, but he substitutes a different definition. And so people are familiar with malware, but the definition that is used for that word every other time is not the same definition he's. So he's trying to, and I, I wish I could remember what it's called, but he is trying to take that capital that was put in it and capture it for himself and twist the public, the, the public knowledge of malware that resonates in society now. So malware, let me give you my definition of malware. Then I think it's more widely agreed on. Malware is something that does um, harmful things without your permission. That's the simplest way to put it. Uh, yeah. Mal, you know, Latin, malice, bad. That's where that comes from. So um, a spam bot, uh, a zombie attack, Those, those. that's what we mean when we say malware. And something, you know, just something that pops up ads over your own webpage. That we call that malware because it's doing something harmful or negative um, without your permission. The, the Many, most, all, but certainly most, of the things that he talked about, the permission is cons- is given, either implicitly or explicitly. So he he is taking out that whole. Uh, that, so if I write something that erases my hard drive because I want my hard drive erased, that's not malware. That's a tool. If I if if Kindle. Amazon writes something that tracks my book reading across multiple multiple devices within the same account, and I sign up for that because I want that feature. That's not malware. That's a tool. So malware, to answer the question that we ask, what is malware anyway? I think it has two things. It has to have a negative impact 
that the that the user themselves consider negative, and it has to be without or against their consent. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I would say it's pretty much right. I, I totally agree. You know, if you sign up, if you download an Office program, and then 10 minutes later, a screen pops up that says, we've locked your computer, you know, send us five Bitcoins, you didn't download a uh, a computer sabotaging program. You downloaded a an Office program. That right. is not mal, or that is malware. If you downloaded a program to look at a PDF only and you didn't want to pay to be able to modify the PDF and then you go to modify it, but your program won't let you because you didn't pay to unlock that, that is not malware. That is you got exactly what you wanted. So, right. but and, and a lot you, of those things walk the line that I drew by tricking you into consent. Right. A checkbox that that un- removing the check does the thing that you didn't want it to do. So that's true malware. And, right. And and they may hide behind the fact that there was implied consent. Um, like when you go to download.com and they uh, give you all sorts of crap bundled with the thing you download, somewhere on that web page is some text that says, we reserve the right to stuff crap into your program, and therefore you gave implicit consent. Um that's dirty and underhanded, but I don't even consider that malware because one way or another they tricked you into to giving consent. Um, that's you know that's a jerk move, but it's not it's not something that snuck in surreptitiously. And a careful person can avoid that a hundred percent of the time. Would you agree with that? I think a careful person can avoid all of those. True malware is something that a careful person can't avoid. Right. Right, yeah. If you got an ask.com homepage and search bar because you clicked next, 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 next and didn't read what you were clicking, that wasn't malware. That's called being stupid. Crapware. Yeah, that, that's it. But if you can go through the menu and unselect it, but you choose not to for speed, that's not malware. You agreed because you didn't take the time to look again i would call that kind of scumware you know it's it's scummy right. but there's nothing but you know like i say you know somebody's got to eat um and we like to eat well so if you you know but something you know when you download something uh i don't know when you when you go to look for online pictures of anna kornikova <laughs> and then you know your hard drive gets a waste that's malware. So, yeah. Well, which one was it that did that? Was that the "I love you" virus? No, I'm Melissa. Did. I think. I don't remember. I don't either. Um, I I don't. I think we've beaten this particular dead horse to a bloody pulp. Um, do you should guys have s- any other closing comments at all? Maybe, maybe the next time we beat a dead horse, we should use a trumpet. So then, at least, it sounds different. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was weird. Yeah, well, I said that earlier. <laughs> um, okay, I, I I don't want to do any other news, and and I don't want to do. Um, I, I want to stop here. Um, and as bad host, bad host, 
I have to do a Linux Academy ad right here. There's no good way to lead into this. We all have a bad taste in our mouth, and now I have to tell you about a, uh, a customer. But I, I consented to do that. So let me tell you a little about a bit about our friends over at the Linux Academy. Their job is to take you from being uh, a Linux novice to a Linux administrator, simply put. That's a, the, what they want to do. And the way they do it, and they've been doing it, by the way. It's not just something they want to do. It's something they are doing daily. And they do it by way of their step-by-step video courses that are created by industry professionals that are are third-party verified as high-quality content um, that are closely aligned with the industry standards. They're working with the guys who certify you for your Linux knowledge uh, with the Linux Professional Institute and with CompTIA, and they're making sure that their stuff is on point. And not only do they have the videos, but they also have step-by-step study guides, PDFs um, that go along with it. They're time-coded with the videos. They have practice exams. They have quizzes. They have this amazing lab infrastructure that lets you run uh, up to four machines simultaneously in Amazon's uh, lightning-fast and highly stable cloud environment. Uh, the everything is hands-on everything is high quality and they do all this for the paltry sum of $25 a month but that's the most you'll ever pay if you buy three months at a time a quarterly con- uh, um, subscription uh, that's $65 so you've got a, a $10 discount right off the top there or if you buy it for a year it's only $215 a year which is just under $18 a month so what we always say is is put $25 on your trust in me because I'm telling you it's good. If you don't trust me $25 worth, don't do it. Sign up for 25 for a month of it. Check it out for a full month. And if you're going to stick around for a while, and I'm pretty sure you are because people do, uh, then buy a quarter or a year. Um, but if you're, if you're serious about learning, these guys are serious about teaching. LinuxAcademy.com. Go to their website. Go to LinuxAcademy.com slash EverydayLinux, and you get a special price even over the ones that I've just commented. Um, we, we thank them for being a supporter for... Uh, over a year now, maybe going on two years. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, we are growing with them, and they are growing with us, and we're proud. I'm proud of my association with Anthony and his team there, and and I hope they're proud of us too. LinuxAcademy.com. So we've uh, we've batched Stallman. We've made money. Two things that he would hate. Um, now, Seth, <laughs> tell us what happened this week in history. Okay, this is a little kind of out there. But May 28, 1936, Alan Turing submits the notable paper in the field on computable numbers. He submitted that for publication. So he was someone who was very popular or very instrumental in breaking the Enigma machine. Um, so kind of the genesis of computers, almost proto-computering um, back in the day. So that happened this week in history. Yeah, so um, the father of modern computing published his first paper about modern computing, 1936. How far we've come in uh, 80 years. Yep. Wow. Wow. It's it's amazing. All right, Seth, while you have the uh, floor, what is your uh, link of the week this week? Okay. It's called the Million Dollar Homepage. A little history behind here. Back in 2005, this guy sold a million pixels worth of ad space for $1 a piece. Uh, so it's called the Million Dollar Homepage, and now it looks sort of like a, uh, well, it's ah. just, <laughs> you just have to go there, uh, milliondollarhomepage.com. And, uh, 
So wow. you paid if you got a hundred pixels, it was a hundred dollars. Right. That's great. And each one of these things, it's a oh gosh, I forget what they even used to call those things. Map, link maps, something maps. Were, um, not bit, so, no. So that each thing, each thing you click is a link to something else. Um, oh, and it's awesome because it's even you can't click back because when you click back, it pushes you back. So it's this is the worst example of advertising ever. Um, wow, this is great. And there's a little picture of Waldo there. You found Waldo. He's in there. So that's. That's cool. He got people to pay him a million dollars. That's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, now, a lot of the links, unfortunately, are um, kind of dead, but the page itself still exists. And what year was this? Do you know? Uh, this was 2005. So, wow. yeah, a million pixels. Screens were big enough to hold a million pixels in 2005. If they'd done this back in, you know, um, 1997, it would have been a lot more impressive because everybody was using... Six six forty by four eighty screen resolution. Right. Huh. That's cool. Here's the word cheap. That's the ad. Cheap. It doesn't seem to link to anything. Wait, what is it link to? Vat nineteen. Shop curiously awesome gifts. So that's what the word cheap goes to. You can get a ten foot gum- gummy worm. <laughs> this is just neat to see all the different. Oh, this is kind. Of, this is kind of cool. It, you could spend, I don't know about hours, but you could spend a lot of time poking around here in the, uh, the, uh, the bowels of capitalism. There. Yeah. So um, it, it's just interesting when, go- like, when you zoom in, so you can actually see some of the itty bitty, the single squares. Some of them are kind of entertaining. Yes, one hundred downloadscom dot com still what works. Download freeware <laughs> with just one click. Okay, I think we've lost the guys now. They're going to be uh, touring through this. So this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can contact us. Seriously, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, I, I know that I take my life in my hands when I broadcast to a bunch of neckbeards and bash Stallman. I understand that that he is your you know um, Zeus on Olympus, um, but I've, I'm all about being honest here, and I feel that what we just read was not honesty. Um, and yes, it is true that there were no direct lies there. Everything that he said has a kernel of truth. The It was it was truth presented in a dishonest way. Um, so I want to hear what you have to say. Elementopi.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. Uh, fill out the form. That will go to me uh, and get priority in my inbox. If you don't trust that or if you want to fire up your own uh, mutt client and uh, send us an email, uh, edl at elementopi.com. Uh, or if you want to be like Jeff and have your voice heard right alongside mine, uh, you can dial 559-IAMOPI. Um, and I used to know what those numbers were, but I don't anymore. Uh, and that will leave us a, a voicemail on our Google voice account and we'll play it on the show. We, we really do love to hear from you. Um, and not just about the lightning rod things. Uh, you know, these, the, I like it when we can start a show with listener feedback. I like it even better when we can do a whole show full of listener feedback. So, uh, let us know what you think. And, um, thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell others about it, uh, rate us, review us click us up vote us whatever it is you do on wherever you go um and uh, we appreciate it if you want to throw money at us patreon.com slash uh element op um or if you want to get a free audio book um element op.com slash audible um 
other ways that I can prostitute myself for money. There's a tip jar there. We now take Bitcoin. You're into that. So, uh, yeah, just give me money. Uh, but no, really, what <laughs> money's nice. I like money. I'm not going to turn it down. But the fact that you're here week after week, an hour and 30-some-odd minutes in, that means a lot to me. And I thank you for that. Chris, Seth, I thank you for being the great uh, host that you are, for sticking it out with me, for for the uh, great uh, insightful comments and uh, the weird web pages that I never would have found. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I'm going to say for now that ends this episode of Everyday Money.